All right, so welcome back. This is Dobrain Book Club. We are covering the book Seldom Right, But Never in Doubt. We're doing this section by section. Uh, I'm, of course, reading all of it. This time around in the Dobrain Book Club, I have coerced my co-host Stella into reading everything as well. It didn't start out that way, but so far it's... Yeah, Stella's been reading all of this along with me, so I'm sorry that I'm inflicting this upon you. <laughs> I, you know, I keep showing up, so it's kind of on, <laughs> kind of on me, and the, the interesting thing about this section, and I don't know if it's because I've been dough-pilled... Mm-hmm. Or what, if I'm a real dope, dope brain now, or dope head. <laughs> but there are a few few points in today's section where I kind of felt for him, had a little bit of empathy for him, and a couple times I was like, that's an interesting point. And then, like, then he talks about uh, Holocaust denial, so... <laughs> Um, keeps you on your toes. Yeah, just a hint of things to come as we cover uh, the section titled Growing Up. So I was hoping for a lot of childhood stories, and there are some, but he also just talks a lot about names. (laughs) 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 And uh, Stella and I are talking about this today with our friends Tony. Hey, up. You'll remember Tony from the uh, Speed Freak Read Speak series, among other appearances on on the show. And I believe making her second appearance on Rock Hard Caucus, we've got our friend Aaron here as well. Hello. And you remember Aaron from Rock Hard Mamas, one of (laughs) the best episodes we've ever produced. Um, so I I, uh, I told you guys this before I started recording, but I don't have any video clips to share today, unfortunately. But I do have something else to present you with, since we don't have any videos. I'm going back to the well of Amazon reviews. So <laughs> here's an Amazon review of Seldom Right But Never In Doubt. And this comes to us from a man named Hawkeye Dave. <laughs> who also reviewed Willie Wilden. So we have heard from Hawkeye Dave in the past. He reviewed this book on October 11th, 2014. He called his review Never Boring, and he rated this book five stars. Wow. He says, Joseph is highly opinionated, as the title would indicate. And I don't always agree with him, but he has a way with words that makes his points with humor. If you like Mark Twain, you should like Joseph. Oh, my God. (laughs) Uh, Even if, like me, you don't like all his ideas. Wow. Uh, So, yeah, he tries to hedge his praise, but he does say, if you like Mark Twain, you'll like Joseph (laughs) Dobry, (laughs) which is extremely high praise, I would say. I mean, you don't necessarily have to like Mark Twain, but he is like a giant of American literature, so that's quite the comparison. (laughs) People who like him really, really, really like him. And as we discussed in our previous book club episode, Confederate Soldier. So (laughs) lots of parallels with with Joe. Only briefly. He didn't stay committed to the Confederate cause. (laughs) Deserter, yep. So to get things started, the first essay in Growing Up is called Where's Mine? And in this essay, Joe tells a sad story about not being invited to a birthday party. 
however, he concludes that it was his own fault that he was <laughs> bullied and ostracized. <laughs> yeah, this is kind of fucked up. Like, yeah, he he goes through yeah. all the ways that he was excluded and and like harassed and tortured in school, but uh, he says like kids that are bullied, like it's you know they deserve it. <laughs> yeah. There's definitely a reason why they're getting bullied and they have the power to change it is mm-hmm. his thesis. <laughs> really dark. Really, really dark essay. Yeah. I took it as like a lot of mental gymnastics to just not condemn violence, even when he was a victim to it and it like continues to victimize him to this day. And he just like cannot just say that shouldn't have happened to me. <laughs> He's principled. <laughs> yeah yeah he is consistent and i i kind of feel bad for him that he has that dedication to his opinions but like it's not working for him mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean he specifically says so there's like a hierarchy of children in his yeah. analysis of uh school and childhood and there's always one kid who's at the very bottom of this hierarchy and that kid specifically definitely deserves all of the shit that they get (laughs) (laughs) he says that kid is never blameless and he that's in all italics he's and he's referring to himself but he's very emphatic that like yes the worst kid in class does deserve to be bullied yeah and it's never for a reason such as what he refers to as the wrong ethnicity yeah he goes on to list he says like it's never because of these reasons and he lists a ton of reasons why people get bullied he lists well yeah exactly and he lists all the kids that he would pick out for bullying like these are the kids that you would think would get bullied the crippled kid the deformed kid the mentally slow kid or the kid who's the wrong ethnicity yeah until now i hadn't really like fully appreciated what he's saying there is like some kids get bullied for things that they can't help such as being the wrong ethnicity uh but those kids aren't the ones who are getting it the worst the ones who are getting it the worst are me i'm actually the biggest victim But the reasons he gives for being the worst bullied kid are... And the, his his name for the worst bullied kid is the butt of the classroom. <laughs> yeah. This is a phrase he uses repeatedly. He might have a disagreeable personality. He might have an uncontrollable temper. He might have poor personal hygiene. <laughs> he might be weak and ineffectual to a point where the other kids just lose patience with him. <laughs> so... These are things that are a child's own fault in all cases, I guess. Like, there's never any issues at home that might be causing that. It's something that a kid should recognize within themselves and strive to change. (laughs) Inspirational. Look inward. It's your fault. (laughs) So here's where it gets sad. Um, There's a kid, John, and... Well, okay, I guess one year John invited Joe to his birthday party and it was it sucked because all the other kids recognized Joe as the butt and they just like constantly gave him shit for the whole party. And, you know, if it's anyone's fault there, it's Joe's. (laughs) 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 If he wasn't like such an easy victim, like it would have been a fun party for everyone, but he was just too distracting so they couldn't help themselves. 
Joe goes out of his way, too, to describe the things that he thinks are wrong with John, the birthday boy. (laughs) 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 He, like, he notes all these things that made him, like, different than the quote-unquote normal kids at the top of the pecking order. And I don't know, maybe, maybe the butt is a little bit, like, I do blame the butt for (laughs) sizing up all the children and, like... Maybe when you are the butt or if you consider yourself the butt of the classroom, you can't help but think about like this perceived hierarchy of children Mm -hmm. because you feel like you're Mm -hmm. at the bottom of it. But also maybe don't be uh, perpetuating putting kids into categories like this and sizing them up and making these weird analyses or assessments of them based on like how they do their hair and their mannerisms and that sort of thing like well at the very least don't do that in a book 50 years after the fact (laughs) right (laughs) the fact that he's still like so fucked up over this this many years later was my favorite thing honestly (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) relatable honestly Definitely. So the following year, um, John, in class, hands an invitation out to all of the boys in class to his birthday party, (laughs) except for Joe. Oh. Ow. (laughs) That's where the title of the essay comes from. Where's mine? Because Joe, like, confronts him out loud in front of everyone. Where's my invitation? And John just pretends he didn't hear him. It's very yeah. sad. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very sad because he asks him repeatedly, hey, John, where's mine? Hey, John, where's mine? <laughs> There's no way he didn't hear me, but he didn't even look in my direction. Uh, what was obvious to me was the reason why I was being publicly shunned almost certainly it was because he and or his mother had decided that the party would be considerably less enjoyable if I were included that was my fault and mine alone I accept that (laughs) (laughs) but what in God's name were they thinking John was a bright kid and his mother was a cultured sophisticated woman did it simply not occur to them that it wouldn't be quite the thing to physically hand out formal invitations to a party to every single boy in the classroom with the exception of one if you want to exclude one kid from your party there are ways there are phones there's a perfectly good postal service (laughs) (laughs) And he says, yeah, almost 50 years have now passed, and the incident has stuck with me. If I ever wanted to take revenge on anyone for any wrong or slight that I've suffered in life, John and his mother would be at the top of my list. So it's like, this, I mean, the the weird thing here is that he says, like, that ostracized or it sounds like really bullied child like they're to blame for their bullying Mm -hmm. and then he goes on to like describe this violent fantasy he has and yeah yeah it it just reminded (laughs) me like the book is bad enough but like he definitely could have easily become like a school shooter (laughs) oh oh, for sure yeah uh we've i think we talked about this on an old episode of the show but he wrote in uh in the press citizen an article that was like the reason that boys shoot up schools is because like they're not allowed to be masculine enough and it's like very sympathetic <laughs> to the school shooters <laughs> oh my god <laughs> yeah but as you were saying like he blames himself fully for what happened but he still would like to exact revenge on this 
boy. Well, who's the same age as him now, so no longer mm-hmm. a boy. And his mother, who's probably dead already. But <laughs> yeah, so like it's my fault, but I still wish to do harm to the people who did it. It's like yeah, oof. yeah. And it's kind of like <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I made the point well, but I think like he at the same time really resents the impact the violence had on him, but he can't just say violence is wrong. And I don't know if that's like a conservative thing where it's like, they're always justifying violence. Mm-hmm. Mm. So like, he can't just be like, that was wrong. I wouldn't do that. Cause I know what it feels like. So he has to be like, it's my fault. And he kind of says in there, just sort of like, I wish I did like all these things. And he has like these weird violent fantasies. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, mm-hmm. why do you wish you did that? Cause like you feel alienated and you would be alienated whether you were the victim of that or the per- perpetrator. So it's like, just leave that alone. But he can't do that. And that's why he's obsessed. And he wants to get revenge on a kid he knew when he was like six. (laughs) He can't move past because he's like, I wasn't violent enough when I was a child. Yeah. 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 Part of it is that he just wasn't tough. Like they they picked on him because he couldn't really do anything back. (laughs) He, I think if he wasn't picked on, like if he was one of the popular kids, he would have loved to be the bully himself. Like, I think he thinks like, this was wrong, you know, 50 years later, what happened to me and they were tactless and it really hurt my feelings. Like, no, I think he wishes that he had been at the top of the pecking order so that he could have been doing the bullying versus like, this was wrong. And if, you know, this shouldn't happen to kids like it Mm -hmm. it should happen to kids, I think is his (laughs) thesis. But he like... (laughs) Because they deserve it. <laughs> yeah, not because they're the wrong ethnicity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Basically, I wish that he had specified which ethnicities are wrong. That's, yeah. that's what I'm curious about. I think we can read about. between the lines, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah, uh, Joe is a an agent of violence for the rest of his life. Uh, <laughs> ready to move on to the next essay? Yeah, I loved this yeah. one. Yeah, this one has some sympathetic points as well. It's called Unconditional Love, which he puts in quotes because he doesn't quite believe in the concept, and Corporal Punishment. So uh, he rants for a while about his child-free lifestyle, and then he makes some arguments against spanking, Yeah, despite, of course, not having children, as he said before that. (laughs) I think he, yeah... I I really do think we should read these couple paragraphs where Joseph describes what he thinks having children is like. Yes. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a big highlight on that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, me too. Erin, as, as our rock hard mama, would you do the honors? I know you have six kids. Okay. Traxton, Grampt, and... Uh, Sophia is silent. <laughs> It's, Excuse me. It's Before she reads it, I do want to um, put it in context a little bit. He says that this was a conversation he was having with a client. Yeah, that is. This is a weird, like, yeah. so unprofessional. Yeah. yeah so keep in mind, ca- this, this was for that work. Too. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like he didn't actually say any of this. Like, this just seems fake. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, yeah. He said. Frankly, I'd sooner have had a leg sawn off. I can see no good reasons to have children and plenty not to. They're a crushing financial burden. When they're small, they take up every single second of your life. You never get a full night's sleep. Your whole house will reek of sour milk and feces. (laughs) (laughs) And you'll never see the inside of a restaurant or theater. 
when they're a little older, they'll, they'll run around and break things <laughs> every summer. Sorry. Every summer you have to take them on vacations that are as much fun as two weeks in a Gestapo interrogation cellar. When, and that's the vacation. Yeah. <laughs> when they're teenagers, you'll go broke bailing your sons out of jail and paying for your daughter's abortion. Yeah, that was sick. <laughs> that was really cool. We all know teenage girls are always having abortions. Yeah. <laughs> Boys go to jail, women get abortions. Yeah, that's, yeah. Like. that's how it works. Yeah. Men are from Mars, women are from Venus. <laughs> the two genders. Then you have to pay hundreds and thousands of dollars to send them to college, even though you know perfectly well that college is a racket that serves only to waste four years of a person's life. <laughs> Finally, the little bastards will hate you and resent you for the rest of their days because no matter how well intentioned you are, you're going to find some way to make them miserable. <laughs> <laughs> oh he said more and why do adults make their all their kids miserable anyway i swear it's because people take stupid pills when they become parents how else do you explain the complacency with which they routinely destroy their children's self-confidence self-sufficiency and self-esteem deliberately tell the kids preposterous lies about practically every subject under the sun give them sexual hang-ups from which they'll never recover oh my god <laughs> in many cases <laughs> inflict brutal physical punishment under the guise of discipline and you're saying I should be in a hurry to make myself stupid and miserable just for the sake of producing a few more profoundly unhappy people? I know, wow. like, it's it's un, it's probably not plausible that he, like, delivered this soliloquy to his yeah. client, which, right. like, the person who's paying him and who he notes has three children. <laughs> <laughs> but I do like to kind of picture him like up on his soapbox and he mm -hmm. just like deliver like he was ready to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I also don't plan on having children, but uh damn dude. <laughs> <laughs> Sour milk and feces. <laughs> yeah, you can like clean up after your kids. <laughs> it's like the life hack they don't tell you about. You don't have to leave their shit and like your breast milk all over the place all day? No, no. When they talk about not crying over spilt milk, the implied second part is that because you can like clean it up after. Um... <laughs> Yeah, actually what they mean is like it, it becomes such a constant presence in your life, the spilled milk all over the place, that you no longer feel any sort of like sadness you, over it. Yeah, it's you become right. the acceptance phase of the mm -hmm. milk, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, anyone who uses the phrase unconditional love should be immediately sterilized. I so okay, and this is this is one of those uh places where I was kind of like, I think, Joe, there's like a little kernel of a point in there that I might agree with a little bit. Not that people should be forcibly sterilized. <laughs> <laughs> not, not his criteria for eugenics. Yeah. No, no, no. But I he, like he goes on to say that unconditional love, like it's a silly, empty phrase. Love can't be unconditional when it's between humans. Like, Babies and children, like, depend on their parents for survival. And so, of course, their love is, like, conditional on you offering them the mm -hmm. support they need to exist. And I do think that there's a point, like, like unconditional love. That seems kind of like a toxic concept because, like, honestly, you should have some conditions on the 
people that are in your life. Like if they're Mm -hmm. actively harmful or abusive, Mm -hmm. like it's fine, I think, to even if they're a family member, to cut them out of your life. And you don't have to say like, I love you, you know, because of this concept of unconditional love between family members. So I also liked this little peek into his life where he talks about uh, his sweet little cats and how much like <laughs> he likes being a cat dad. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't think that they have unconditional love for him. It's you know he provides them with uh, sustenance and survival. <laughs> well, not just that, my friend. He says I have a house full of cats. I do wonder how many cats he has. I have no doubt that they love me. They show it constantly. But this is not based on my tending to their minimal needs. The reason they're always in my lap or on my shoulder is because I'm forever giving them treats, petting them, playing with them, and telling them how pretty and clever they are. (laughs) (laughs) So I've seen a bio that says he has four cats. He might have more than that now. Nice. Yeah, at one point it was four. Um, So yeah, I wanted to ask you guys about this. Uh, strap a large group of adults into polygraph machines and ask, do you really and truly love your parents? And I'd lay eight <laughs> against your five that you wouldn't get more than 50% truthful affirmative. That's, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know about that. Like, Yeah, I don't know where that comes from, yeah. We got four of us here. I guess I'll say raise your hands if you really and truly love your parents. <laughs> Okay, we got four out of four, so yeah. it is a small sample group, but <laughs> I think, and we're not strapped to polygraphs, so I guess we can't, we're Maybe not actually not. doing what he says. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's a pretty bleak outlook on like the relationship between parents and kids, which if you recall, Roger Ballou's re- relationship to his mother and Willie Wilden, uh, I think this is enlightening. Mm-hmm. I think Joe hates his mom. <laughs> and projects yeah. that onto the rest of the adult population. Uh, so let me uh, highlight this transition here because he, he sort of is playing with more than one idea. He separates uh, s- sections of the essay by a little asterisk. So he ends the oh, unconditional God. love thing with, if you want unconditional love, get a doll. Ditto, a doll. if you want something to spank. <laughs> I thought that was like a horny count ding right there, but then he gets into it more, and it doesn't seem like it was. So I don't <laughs> yeah. know what you guys think about that. Yeah, I do think spanking a doll is is usually uh, a sexual activity. I'm not willing to rule out that there's like some psychosexual horror happening in the next few paragraphs, but yeah, he's definitely, I think he's trying to say like you're taking your aggression out on the doll in addition to unconditionally loving it (laughs) (laughs) i mean i think we all agree it's a very eloquent transition from one idea to the next yeah i I really get the point he was trying to make (laughs) 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 yeah so he goes on to talk about spanking which raise your hands if you're pro spanking (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you mean like spanking kids as discipline, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. Spanking's bad. Spanking is abuse. Like, right. it's, it, no one should spank their kids. And this statistic he cites that 90% of Americans spank their kids. I don't know when this was written, but do you think that's that's correct? 
No. Probably not anymore. Mm, yeah. Do you think it, it was at one point? Uh, it was probably a hundred at one point, but really. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Have you guys yeah. ever gotten spanked, like yep. in, yeah. from a discipline perspective, yeah. Oh, yeah. by your parents yeah. as a child? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I I was in a Catholic family, so I mm. I feel like that's a Catholic thing as a spanking. So corporal punishment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did yeah, a did yeah. a nurse ever or a nurse a nun <laughs> ever uh, wrap your knuckles with a ruler? I don't think I've ever like spoken to a nun. I didn't go to a Catholic <laughs> school. Luckily, yeah. they had like a Catholic after school that was like really easy to skip. Nice. So yeah, yeah, that was okay. <laughs> I've spoken to a nun. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've ever spoken to a nun. I never interacted with one. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I once. I actually I was flying I think home from Boston when Ashley lived there and I on the plane was seated next to a nun. It was flying cool. nuns? Yeah. Literal yeah. flying <laughs> nuns? <laughs> yeah. Did she share any wisdom with you? We didn't really talk, but she did watch me play Pokemon for a little bit. <laughs> okay. Love that. <laughs> Uh, you know who also had magic powers? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um, a couple of things I, I wanted to read to uh, kind of frame Joe's opposition to spanking. I'm pretty much a Neanderthal on most issues, according to some of my more liberal friends. I'm not 100% opposed to the death penalty, although pretty close. I strongly oppose gun control and affirmative action. <laughs> I think civil rights legislation might have been a necessary evil, but was not something to be desired for itself. Civil rights legislation, famously a necessary evil. Evil, for sure. Yeah, definitely evil. My basic position on public assistance is, are there no prisons? Are there no workhouses? So that is that is uh, quoting Ebenezer Scrooge. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> But with regard to punishing children, I'm a bleeding heart and proud of it. So essentially, he's saying, I'm really a bad person, but even I think that spanking kids is wrong. (laughs) And then he sort of clarifies a little bit. He says, in extreme circumstances, hitting by way of instruction, as opposed to spanking by way of punishment, might have merit. If you crack the kid a good one the first time he tries to stick his hand into the fireplace or run into traffic, it certainly reinforces the lesson. No, no, Georgie, we don't go touching flames. We'll just make Georgie want to do that very thing again once your back is turned. (laughs) A good hard slap on the ear and a you dumb little turd, don't you ever do that, (laughs) will convince Georgie that we don't go touching flames. So it seems his opposition to spanking is mostly because of its ineffectiveness. <laughs> yeah, it's a punishment versus a reinforcement, as he right. refers to it. Yeah, I right. think, Tony, this is a perfect example of the mental gymnastics that you yeah. referenced. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> It's not that violence against children is wrong. It's that it it's doesn't accomplish the goal that you're seeking. Yeah. In <laughs> practice it leaves something to be desired. (laughs) (laughs) He uses the word obstreperous again. I have to point that out. The word that I learned from Todd Blodgett. (laughs) Obstreperous count uh, two in this book. (laughs) He also says, there's a well-known joke about a man hitting a woman, which is generally regarded as funny, but only in a horrifying way. Why do men hit women? And the punchline is, because they just will not shut up. (laughs) We all love that well-known joke. Yeah. (laughs) 
What a classic. <laughs> we've all heard it. We've all told it. <laughs> uh, why do men hit women? To get to the other side. <laughs> <laughs> So he goes on to say, I only like what truly mystifies me is the parent who says, I only spank my kids if they give me back talk, if they're disrespectful. Mm-hmm. Uh, he tells a, a story here. Uh, I don't need to tell the whole thing, but there's it raised a red flag for me. And I only really have to read the first sentence for you to get it. Recently, a teenage friend of mine was complaining that her guardian beat her. <laughs> libertarian, typical libertarian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah joe your teenaged friend huh i put a note that was just a bunch of question marks next to that that's actually the first of two times in the growing up section that he gives really bad advice to kids too yeah yeah what yeah. what did he tell this girl to do again he said to like grab her grab her mom by the ear and pull her to the ground what? which yeah which is like one gross weird also, wouldn't really work. <laughs> not good advice from any angle. Yeah, I mean, the teenage friend is complaining that her guardian beats her to yeah. an adult, Joseph mm-hmm. Dobrian, who needs to report this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that yeah. would make more sense, I think. Instead of grabbing <laughs> her by the ear. Yeah. But again, he's and principled. He's like-, like, he doesn't want to turn to a governmental organization. He <laughs> wants to <laughs> encourage further violence. That's, yeah, that's his outlook. Yeah, just the situation, yeah. <laughs> this dude's like, what, 55, 60, something like that? <laughs> Quite possibly this teenager looks to him for advice. He's like, oh, he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's 65 now, so he was about 55 when this book came out. Right. Okay. <laughs> he does clarify that it never came to that, so it's like, okay. People I don't want it to know. I, I was kind of happy to hear that they didn't actually follow through on that. I can, you know what, you know, like, you know that the next time Joe saw that teenager, he's like, so how'd it go? Did you try the ear maneuver? <laughs> that, that teenager who just continues to, like, be beaten in, you yeah. know, in silence is like, uh, no, it didn't come to that, Joe. <laughs> we can hope he made the whole thing up at least yeah 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 so yeah i i sort of like my eyes glazed over for the rest of this pretty much um so he's talking about kids like back sassing and they say like mm-hmm. i didn't last to be born and he says it's quite correct to assert that the simple <laughs> fact of having been born places you under no obligation to do any work to go to school or to behave in a particular way it's like, damn, all right, I guess we're on the same page <laughs> <Yeah>. there. <laughs> if your boss at work told you, I'm not going to pay you, doing the job well should be its own reward. Wouldn't you just about tell the boss what to do with that job? School is a kid's job, as surely as it's an adult's job to tighten screws on the assembly line. You think kids go to school for the pleasure of it? Did you? Okay, maybe you did if you were a girl. What? What? Girls yeah. love school, you oh, guys. Hell yeah. We're always going to school. It's because fun. we weren't allowed to go for such a long time. Yeah. <laughs> it's a treat for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then he ends with a story of a, a kid killing his parents because they gave him a bad car. Yeah. So that's the moral of the story is um, give your kids better treats or they will kill you. 
Teenage <laughs> or, boy. Or be like Joe and have a house that does not smell like feces and sour milk. Those are your <laughs> options. Yeah. His kids will wait until he's already dead before they eat him. So. <laughs> uh, next up is an essay called A Child's Eye View of the World. And in this story, this is a story of uh, young Joseph. He looks yeah. at a map and this sparks an interest in world events. Uh, politics and geography and such. Mm-hmm. And bonus, he says the N-word to his mom in this one. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, yeah. He sure does. <laughs> so it starts out with him looking at like inaccurate maps. Some mm. kind of map projection. Yeah, Yeah. Antarctica yeah, yeah. is like a big stretched out line at the top of a square map or whatever. I do think it's always really charming when you hear about like when you're growing up, the little things that you make assumptions about how the world works. And then you might not find out that you were wrong until like many, many years later. Mm -hmm. Like there was a This American Life about it one time about how um, like this kid thought that the crossing sign was actually pronounced zing. Because you like zing across the street as quickly as you can to zing. Or, um, you know, I had a friend who thought that the people, like when you watched a sitcom, the laugh track was like beamed from everyone's TV to like. Oh, wow. Like, and so she would do her best to have like a really distinctive laugh so that she thought other people who are watching the same show could hear her. <laughs> Did you guys have any any experiences like that? I thought people in the TV could see me. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I remember not quite understanding how like captions on TV worked. Like I imagined mm-hmm. somebody in a TV studio had to just type it every time. I still think that's what like they have and they have to watch whatever you're watching. Yeah, too. so there's, yeah. TV studios have a lot of people employed just doing that. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, this is what, this is like Joe's childhood misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. Um, right, so he was looking at a map that sort of like had a eastern and western hemisphere thing. So certain parts of the world were like duplicated <laughs> on the left and right edge of this map. And so I got the idea that there were, in fact, two Asias two cities called Shanghai, <laughs> two cities called Dhaka, etc., and that they were existing in parallel. For all I knew, those double cities each had the same people living in them in duplicate. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I love this that. This is like a, a great. much stranger like conception of reality than simply yeah. reading a map. <laughs> <wrong>. Galaxy <laughs> dough brain. <laughs> <laughs> A much less significant like misreading of a map is when he he sees the country Niger in Africa <laughs> and he asks his mom if and then there's the N word is such a bad word. How come there's a country called N word? <laughs> it's a good thing my mother explained the difference in spelling and pronunciation before I looked at Niger's immediate neighbor, Nigeria. Oh my god. If I hadn't known better I'd surely have pronounced it with a hard G and the stress on the third syllable. 
as though Nigeria were a physical disorder that involved the copious and uncontrolled discharge of dot 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 never mind. <laughs> what is he talking about? <laughs> I also think it's really interesting that at the start of the essay, he states that he was six years old at this time. Did you know the N-word when you were six years old? Mm-hmm. I think I might have heard it in a movie. For his generation, <laughs> really? I feel like, yeah. I yeah. don't know if I did, but his generation, I feel like all the kids probably knew. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I think it was in more common usage then. I mean, he was born like pre-civil rights movement. so Yeah, that mm-hmm. necessary yeah. evil. yeah i don't think i really knew that word until i was like around 10 i think yeah i think i probably i think i probably learned it like from reading a a book or something about Mm -hmm. like yeah probably in like fifth grade or something Mm -hmm. i don't think i would have i don't think i'd ever heard it which i I mean just goes to show how few black people i grew up around Yeah, I should clarify. I think everyone is is white on the yeah, call right yeah. now. Yeah, I mean, I I knew like a handful of black kids in elementary yeah. school, so like you know, I was pretty sheltered from that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So uh, Nigeria, if you said it wrong, and it sounded like diarrhea, that's, that's what he's the saying, only thing I, I can <laughs> yeah. come yeah. up with. Yeah, it's a it's a diarrhea joke, Justin. It's a <laughs> got it. <laughs> <laughs> a loose stool joke which like i mean if dear listeners you you get a little stressed out when we're reading dobrian and the topic is about countries of the world like you have every right to be yes you're he's not going to be very sensitive about the the different <laughs> ethnicities the wrong ethnicities of the world uh to quote him i mean he says something like the country of India in outline looked like a fat woman dressed in veils dancing on her toes. That is just such a weird aside. It's like, <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? I mean, we all know that Italy is a boot, mm-hmm. but yeah, he doesn't mention that. He <laughs> yeah, he mentions the, the fat woman dancing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, with veils. Very exotic. I love to go like stargazing or, or cloud watching with Joe. Like, what's that one look like, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, I did think he had a good point. Later on, he talks about he saw maps of Europe before and after the various world wars in the last century. Mm-hmm. And he says, it started to sink in that the world was not, after all, a stable place. It occurred to me also that if only the Habsburg Empire had managed to hold together, I would not, not have had to learn to spell Czechoslovakia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I thought, I was like, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I also wish things would stay the same for my own personal convenience. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so he, he says that, like, in resolving these misunderstandings, that kind of made him more interested in the world. And he obtained a pretty good grasp of world politics and current events even before I'd finished the first grade. No, I don't buy it. <laughs> no way. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of all that's really interesting in that one it was pretty short 
So we could uh, move on to this one, which is also bizarre. It's called <laughs> Cow Persons and Native <laughs> Americans. So he wishes that adults could play the childhood game Cowboys and Indians. And then he meets a child Civil War reenactor. <laughs> yeah, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I did like that he's... <laughs> Thankfully, the child is uh, imitating a Union soldier. We should clarify. Yeah. My, my heart dropped a little bit when he started that <laughs> sentence. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh. <laughs> um, Joe says, my experience with children is limited. Which, thank goodness. But he talks about, this is, I thought, interesting. Games like Cowboys and Indians and another game that they played was World War II. <laughs> <laughs> so like they, all these like really violent um, childhood games he describes where they're like pretending to kill each other. Mm-hmm. And he says, dramatic games of this type have lost popularity for a number of reasons. And then he says it's because MLK and Robert Kennedy got assassinated. Yeah. And so now parents and teachers organize children's time, minimizing free form play. And kids now, kids today, they're playing their video games. Games and computer <laughs> games. Yeah. <laughs> but I thought that was interesting. I remember kids playing all kinds of like violent games. And a lot yeah. of like video mm-hmm. games are pretty violent too. Yeah. So Exactly, yeah. I think he's totally off base here. He thinks that PC culture has killed violent games for children. And he, I think, was writing this in the 90s actually. Yeah. Or no, no. Because the, the Civil War reenactor was after he moved back to Iowa City. So like, like 10 years ago. Anyway, I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. He hadn't seen Cowboys and Indians played since he was about eight. And, like, I mean, we were doing shit like that when I was a kid in the 90s. Yeah. We were always yeah. playing I think he just, guns. like, maybe personally stopped playing it at age eight. And he's like, why aren't we playing it anymore when I'm <laughs> no, why, did the, why did the adults force us all to stop playing that? <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, what's what's in the, the video games that have replaced that kind of play? Like... Yeah, I mean, kids are still mm-hmm. shooting each other just virtually. Yeah. It's much more, like, exciting to do it when you can see, like, a cartoon shooting another cartoon than just pretending with your finger gun or whatever. Do you think the problem is showed us and no video games are violent? If we, like, sent them an email and, like, sent them, like, some screenshots of Grand Theft Auto, you'd feel a lot better. <laughs> yeah, he'd be happy to see that. He'd be like, oh, yeah, maybe the kids are all right. <laughs> Did you note the name of this piece, Justin? Yes, cow persons and Native Americans instead of cowboys and Indians. Right. Uh, <laughs> I do like. I do like offensive when he says um, that. Like neighbor, he talks about the historical figures that he and his friends would play when they were, you know, like. Uh, Wild Bill Hickok or Wyatt Earp or Geronimo. And then he said when girls would play, they would want to be Belle Star, the most popular choice, because she was by far the nastiest. And then some other women, too. I think these are all like nasty madams. women. <laughs> are these like all brothel owners? I thought that was really cute, if so. Yeah, I didn't look up any of the ones that I didn't already know. I think Belle Star was like a brothel proprietor let me investigate well before he talks about like the specifics of the characters they were portraying as kids he refers to an organization called society for creative anachronism 
did any of you know what this was prior to this essay? Nope. No. <laughs> he talks about it like it's something everyone knows about. Basically, it's like LARPing and Ren fairs. So, oh, you know, okay. So adults can still play pretend, but it's with things like that. <laughs> and there's also like uh, what he calls survival games for people who still want to play guns as adults. And <laughs> shout out to our boy Alan for playing guns well into his adulthood. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this goes to show I haven't played cowboys or Indians, so I, it sounds like these ladies that he listed were gunslingers, lady bandits. So Okay. Typical misogyny to assume they were all brothel owners. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing women were good for back then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, actually they were all doctors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, Joe notes that he was always playing the bad guys, like Johnny Ringo or John Wesley Harden. He loves playing the John villain. Wilkes Booth. <laughs> <laughs> this is just just him being a nerd. Unfortunately, my playmate's knowledge of Indians <laughs> didn't go as far as mine did. <laughs> <laughs> One more thing before we get to the kid who was a mm-hmm. civil civil war reenactor. I, as I am, would make an ideal Wild West character. I'm a good card player. I dress with a degree of style. I'm a dab hand with a revolver. And wouldn't you just think that in one freewheeling boom town or another, you'd encounter an intense looking eccentric who insisted that he was the rightful Holy Ro- Roman Emperor? <laughs> Uh, how long do you think Joe would survive in a Wild West town? Like <laughs> 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 oh, <take> a day. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. yeah. So what's the thing about the Holy Roman Emperor? Is this a side thing with Joe that I don't know about? Yeah, it's, it's something I haven't encountered yet, I guess. He believes he's the rightful heir yeah. to the Holy Ro- Roman Empire. <laughs> I keep wanting to say Holy Roland Empire. <laughs> <laughs> well, if that's true, that's pretty crazy. I didn't know that about him. <laughs> All right, so the the kid then, should we talk about yeah, him? Yeah, so Joseph Dobrian gets invited to his Iowa City block party in 2010. He says it was a great time. He ate a lot. The only incident he found unsettling was when he met himself minus about 45 years. Yeah, I think that would be a startle. (laughs) That's such a weird way to describe meeting a child. (laughs) And he told us he was so careful about not having kids. So So the, the scene he paints here is really interesting because... In the same essay, he basic he literally just said like children are not like left to their own devices to play. But then he like describes a scene where children are just like playing, <laughs> doing exactly that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, kids are running around doing the normal kid stuff, splashing in the wading pool, hula hooping, etc., jumping and dancing and running and falling down. Yeah. <laughs> He mentions that many of them are are nude as well. 
Where oh, do you okay. see that? I didn't see that either. Where yeah, he said something oh, about undress, but then it kind of seemed like he was just talking oh. about like wearing shorts. Various states of That was another part that confused oh, me. Oh, yeah. He, uh, big hot take from Dovrian, he hates shorts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe I was confusing this with another essay. I swear there's no, naked no, kids I know in one of these. Yeah. I thought that at first too, but then it seems like when he says undress, he's like calling the kids like scrubs. Oh yeah, he does say ranging from total nudity to swimming trunks and t-shirts. Okay. okay. Oh, oh, so there is Thank nudity. Thank God okay. he right. didn't just... <laughs> just was like, the kids in my mind are naked, so... Yeah, I was hoping I wasn't imagining that. <laughs> Oh, what a relief. No, Dobrian <laughs> makes it very clear they're naked. Um, but the the kid that Dobrian identifies with, um, he was 9 or 10 and kind of chubby, was behaving quite differently from the others. I didn't notice him at first, but then a woman of about my own age glanced over at him and clucked disapprovingly <laughs> and asked me in a tone of obvious dismay, oh my God, do you see that? <laughs> so he talks about... I did. All the other children were in various states of undress, ranging from total nudity to swimming trunks and t-shirts. But this kid was in jeans, a flannel shirt, and jackboots. I've only ever heard jackboots in, like, the Nazi context, but... Yep. <laughs> on his head was a Civil War-style war kepi. Kepi, I'm not sure what it's... How to say that? A mm -hmm. union, basically a union hat. Yeah. And he carried a toy rifle on his shoulder as he marched around and around the perimeter of the party. <laughs> what a cool kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Joe sees some of himself in this kid. He says yeah. he was interested in weapons and, and interesting clothes, especially uniforms. Yeah. And role-playing. So everything <laughs> this kid is doing, Joe was also into. So he, he talks he talks to the kid. The kid tells him he's a Civil War reenactor. And he says to Joe, you look kind of historical yourself. <laughs> <laughs> that is a cute thing for a kid to say. But then, yeah, interesting way to yeah. refer to a person. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not quite sure what he meant by that, except that I was almost the only male present in lawn sleeves, lawn trousers, and short hair. You know how those hippies are in Iowa City. And I, I was wearing braces instead of a belt, which does create an antique effect. What the fuck are, like, all I know does about are mean, the teeth braces. Yeah. Does he mean, instead like, suspenders? Belt, yeah, like suspender braces, I guess. I've never I, heard I haven't braces ever used in that contact. Mm -hmm. Actually, his teeth, his uh, pants were suspended <laughs> by his teeth. Braces. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he was in a full body brace um, <laughs> he had left the the iron lun for the day <laughs> in instead of wearing a belt i just put on a cast to hold my pants up uh, <laughs> plaster around the waistline <laughs> uh, he's dressing for success <laughs> yeah dress for the job you want baby yeah <laughs> He says that when he was a kid, he always preferred the company of adults, and he would speak frankly to them. Um, I mentioned my favorite Civil War character was P.G.T. Beauregard, and he wondered aloud why so many Civil War generals had odd-sounding names. When he says he, uh, when he was a kid, he preferred the company of adults, he does say, unlike children, they could be counted on not to be vicious. <laughs> <laughs> Aww. 
Remember earlier when he said that adults would poke his belly because yeah. he was a little fat kid? <laughs> That's kind of vicious, isn't yeah, it? Jesus. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. But I mean, he, he does say that his classmates would call him names, physically assault him, and spit on him. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he worries about the kid because the kid's like a weirdo, like he was. I just hope he has learned to deal with other people's reactions to his weirdnesses better than I did. Yeah. I think he, I think most most do. <laughs> he talks about how when he was a kid he hated being like dressed like a little kid or like wearing PJs. <laughs> he hates shorts and he doesn't like any shirts that don't button up in the front. Mhm. He was born in long <laughs> underwear and a tuxedo. <laughs> <laughs> I did like the last line of the piece, which says, anyway, I wish this kid well, and above all, I hope he gets away with it. (laughs) (laughs) This might be a generational thing, but when he's talking about hating being dressed up like a little sailor boy or whatever, (laughs) I resented those evening parties to which children are brought in their pajamas because they'll be going straight to bed when they get home. I don't think I ever went to a party like that. <laughs> no, me neither. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> I think I usually slept in just like my regular clothes. <laughs> yeah. like, like I wouldn't even like bring pajamas to sleep over. So I just like have t-shirts and jeans on and be like, yeah, fuck it. Yeah, I did that a lot too. <laughs> well, I don't want to take my pants off in front of people. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you guys both never nudes? <laughs> yeah, I was actually I've just been slowly this entire shirt's like spandex, it's been growing with me. <laughs> Uh, are we ready for those happy school days absolutely yeah i was very curious to hear what you thought of this one justin because i've heard you have similar sentiments about how much school sucks so (laughs) (laughs) yeah my summary of this was joe hated school and it fostered his misanthropy (laughs) (laughs) it's a perfect summary yeah uh, an early part of this, he says, I heartily agree with one of my former high school teachers who used to say, I get so impatient with people who tell kids, these are the best years of your life. If that's so, why not just commit suicide when you graduate high school? Hell yeah. Jesus. <laughs> a high school teacher is telling this to students? It's like a little, a little over the line. Why don't you all just kill yourselves? <laughs> oh my gosh. Were you joking that I have similar opinions on school? Or which part of this do you think I identify with? Yeah, no. Um, let's see here. One of the lines... One of the consolations of adulthood comes when summer is going into its home stretch. I can remind myself that whatever other horrors may lie in store for me, at least I never have to go back to school again. <laughs> I don't think you had as bad a time in <laughs> yeah. school as Joe by any means, but I, you know, <laughs> I thought you would be like, you would say something. I've heard you say something to the effect of like, school sucks and no wonder kids hate it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he does kind of get get into that territory. And I, I do, like, sympathize with him for some of this. Like, yeah, yeah. I'd been excited about going into first grade, had looked forward to it, but my illusions had been shattered almost immediately, <laughs> <laughs> which is, that's pretty sad. Like, a little kid yeah. was excited for school and, like, just immediately torn down. 
Well, remember, this was a little kid who, by the time he was in first grade, knew everything about geo like history and <laughs> geopolitics. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> plus everything that happened to him like was his own fault because he was annoying. <laughs> and he had bangs, as he goes on to say. Um, oh, he's like, I one? knew I was ugly. Oh my god, it is. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't wear a hat. The bangs made me look like an ugly little girl. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, <laughs> wow. The first person he encountered in first grade was a vicious-faced girl who sneered at him. You look like a girl. You got bangs. <laughs> <laughs> That was good. Yeah, I mean, this whole thing is just like about how much he hated going to school and how mistreated he was. Mm-hmm. For As a time lucky went few, by, I learned. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> Let's read them both simultaneously. <laughs> uh, for a lucky few, school is a great confidence builder. For many of us, it's an excruciating builder of one's capacity for self hatred. For a lucky few, it's where you learn to make friends, play nice, and have a good time. For many of us, it's where we learn once and for all that people are stupid, wicked, and sadistic, and that they enjoy being so. Yeah, school was not like this for me. I think the the social aspects were mostly good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's where we I met Stella. I like that part. Oh, I liked it too. <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't think we had a similar experience to Joe at all. But I do kind of relate to his idea of like people saying that school is the best time of your life and that, you know, I. Yeah, I do think that's kind of stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I didn't love like being in college and it was like talked up so much as like, oh, you're going to love it. You know, I was really extremely depressed through (laughs) all of college and like. Mm -hmm always just wanted to be done with it like i mean working sucks but i like working so much more than having to be in school right yeah college was was a lot more stressful than my life is now actually yeah (laughs) (laughs) um i was a pussy that's a quote in this one as as time went by i learned other useful facts i was a hopeless athlete who generally got picked last for games me too joseph i'm always picked last i was a pussy who couldn't or wouldn't fight back when picked on who would run home crying to mommy instead i'm always crying to my mommy i agree um and i was an underachiever who who would often be dressed down by the teacher in front of the whole class and that's awful. And he says, oh. like, he was not actually stinky, but people <laughs> treated him like he had an aura of foul aura. <laughs> yeah. And then, do you want to do the honors? This might be my favorite couple <laughs> sentences yeah. that... <laughs> Della and I talked about this one before we started this. <laughs> then, around the third grade, I started getting fat. And we heard about this before, how the adults would poke him. By the fifth grade, I was downright Cartman esque. <laughs> so yeah, jo- cute. Joe was a, a big like fan Ruben-esque. of South Park. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he still watches it, but I, I remember in his um, piece about his favorite Christmas songs, he did cite the uh, South Park Christmas album. So I know that he's a fan, <laughs> or at least was in the yeah. the golden era of South Park. 
Season 25 is airing now, folks. <laughs> <laughs> this part's kind of interesting. So um, as he got older, he started taking an interest in girls. Mm-hmm. But his big problem was that he liked the pretty ones. And it's an odd fact of nature that people usually hook up with boyfriends or girlfriends who are more or less equal to them in terms of physical beauty. Thus, on the rare occasions when I found that a girl was attracted to me, it would be more an occasion for embarrassment than for gratification. Does that mean that he was embarrassed (laughs) because ugly girls were attracted to him? That's because he considers himself ugly. Yeah. So, like, oh man, (laughs) he is to this day bitter about being picked on in school for his appearance. And yet, this is how he treated girls who like showed any kind of affection for him. <laughs> it's like he's embarrassed that they didn't want anything to do with him. I yeah, what a prick. <laughs> yeah, this last par- paragraph. It's like one very like run on sentence with mm-hmm. um, count them one, two, three, four semicolons. <laughs> so to sum up. I came out of my schooling with a nearly debilitating paranoia, a (laughs) conviction that I was a total failure as a human being, an awareness that I was personally repulsive, a terror of achievement, and a blinding hatred of the human race. Uh, Damn. I don't like school either, but wow. (laughs) I hate myself and everyone. Yeah, that's intense. I mean, I get the idea from this collection of essays that this is supposed to be kind of like lighthearted and fun to read. Like, I think that was his goal, but that one's really dark. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and this next one is a great uh, piece of satire. It's called How to Get Kicked Out of School. And I know, I remember when I was first discussing this with, with everybody, Tony, you were uh, excited for this one in particular, right? I was for a couple reasons, and neither of them panned out, because one reason was, like, I was kicked out, kicked out of school, so I kind of wanted to, like, compare with Joe Dobrian about our getting kicked out of school yeah. experiences. He didn't get kicked out of school. He's, like, again, telling people younger than him how they can get kicked out of school. Yeah. And two, it's not even, like, like, the whole theme of this section's growing up. This isn't about growing up. This is about his... Thoughts on World War Two. <laughs> this, this is these are just World War Two essays. The only thing that it has to do with anything with school is the framing device. Yes, he sets up a framing device and he just starts talking about World War Two. Yes. Yeah, it's it's a flimsy framing device. Yeah, yeah. The conceit is it's his advice to young people and they're growing up. Like that's that's kind of how I took it. But yeah, mm-hmm. you're exactly right. He just wanted to write some weird shit about the Holocaust <laughs> and yeah. Yep. So, yeah. Tony, how did, why did, can you tell us, did you, why did you get kicked out of school? So, I was kicked out of my first elementary school in first grade because I kicked a teacher. Oh. <laughs> which I, which right. I think is advice Joe Dobrian would give yes. to a first grade what, child. I don't, I, I don't recommend it. <laughs> do you remember doing that? Yeah, yeah. Why, do you remember why you did that? Um... I was running around being a shit, um, <laughs> as one does, and, like, the teacher was like, stop running around and being a shit, and I kept doing it, <laughs> and, like, she grabbed me from behind, so, like, it wasn't even, like, 
I forget how exactly I kicked her, but I either turned around or like I kicked behind me. Yeah. yeah. And I like kicked her in the shin and she was like, ow, and she let me go. <laughs> and I was surprised I got expelled because I felt like I was justified, but. Yeah. Did you have any priors, maybe? Um, I, w- I didn't like cause a lot of trouble like my entire youth. Like I wasn't an aggressive kid. I was just, I didn't behave normally i was very weird like if i didn't feel like sitting down if i got bored like during a lesson i would just like start walking around doing whatever yeah um i was just like a weird kid so like i didn't start shit but i was like not fitting in you know yeah Mm -hmm. would you describe yourself as the butt of the classroom (laughs) no no i didn't get bullied too bad i didn't get bullied too bad no it's kind of weird too like Joe talks about, like, oh, I wish I, like, punched other kids. It's like, if kids tried to bully me, I would do that. It's not, like, a good thing to recommend to kids. Don't, like, stand up for yourself, but whatever. But, like, it's not cool. Just say the violence is bad. Just feel like the violence is bad. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I punched a bully once, and then he punched me in the eye very hard. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 But then, like, it was kind of like a moment where both of us were like, huh. That sucked for both of us. So maybe we should like. Yeah, that's, that's the way it goes. Is like if you hit another kid who's like fucking with you, they'll be like, "That sucked," and like sometimes they'll like try to be your friend after, and I'll be like, "No, that sucked. I don't, I don't like you for doing that shit." Yeah, yeah he and I were kind of chill after that. So that that was a rare yeah. success story. <laughs> yeah, I think if it's your first time experimenting with violence, you realize, like, I have experiences, like, with friends where, like, I was slightly annoyed and I hit them and they were, like, really upset. And I'm like, I didn't realize how bad that was. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And then you just feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> that was a very masculine anyway, conversation. Um, Stella and Aaron, did you ever uh, punch yeah. other kids or anything like that? <laughs> uh, not really. I don't think I was that violent. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I'm very much a pacifist mm-hmm. did you ever defend the holocaust in your classes <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah this one's a wild ride yeah so this uh framing device is like he recalls he once had an assignment that a, a teacher told him to write an essay either defending something indefensible or attacking something sacred so this is like an early seed for his like contrarian bullshit like, he mm-hmm. thought this assignment was awesome, and he could build a career out of it. And he he, <laughs> <laughs> he contrasts this with what I'm pretty sure is not real, a requirement for high schoolers to write uh, a single paragraph in order to graduate high school in which they say that the Holocaust is bad. <laughs> Something I've never heard of. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's pretty creepy it starts off with, I was reminded of this when one of my recent correspondents who is ending her career as a high school student. Another teen friend. <laughs> well, a correspondent, um, huh? Yeah. The- <laughs> teen correspondent. I just remembered the plot of Willie Wilden. <laughs> yep. I just remembered that. <sighs> Fuck. Oh my gosh. Yeah, you guys didn't have to write the one paragraph for graduation before you were allowed to get your diploma, the paragraph. Yeah. I, I actually got straight A's up until the paragraph and <laughs> that, that I just dropped out because yeah. I got kicked out. They were like, you didn't write the paragraph. <laughs> I mean, I think the whole the whole 
framing device itself is like a weird sort of like anti-Semitic conspiracy theory. <laughs> like, did you know all these kids are required by like the Jew controlled media to, <laughs> to say they disapprove of the Holocaust before they can yeah. even get a diploma? Like, if you question the Holocaust, you're not even allowed to get a job. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> this doesn't seem it's... real at all to me. <sighs> Yeah. yeah, and he makes up a straw man of Nazi teenagers, and he's like, you know, these unreasonable Nazi teenagers might write a bad paragraph saying the Holocaust was good, but I'm going to give them a more reasonable approach to justifying the Holocaust, yeah. the more centrist approach. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I did kind of like that he said, this is like, it's preposterous, right? You can't, to, to write a paragraph about um, the Holocaust, right? And the reason he, this is preposterous is one, it's too easy. And second, mm-hmm. it's too difficult. So <laughs> if you write something, basically like you can't, it's too little as a graduation requirement. And then it's mm-hmm. too complex to distill like the Holocaust into a single paragraph, right? Um, mm-hmm. And then he... <laughs> <laughs> he does this is what 99% of the one paragraph essays will read like and he goes out of his way to misspell holocaust and adolf hitler <laughs> like we get it joe you definitely know how to spell hitler's name yes okay he, he includes the like sick s-i-c in brackets after that yeah. like making sure we know that he does know how to spell those things, and this is only a joke. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. So Joe says the, the, the purposes of this assignment are to verify that the student has a vague idea of what the Holocaust was and to uh, declare the student's abhorrence of genocide. Both objectives insult the student's intelligence. I don't know. Aren't there a lot of people that... <laughs> aren't aware of the Holocaust. Like, wasn't there a study recently where like a bunch of people didn't know what Auschwitz was or the Holocaust or. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know how, how much of a problem that really is, but I mean, it's obvious that people reach adulthood while not necessarily thinking genocide is always abhorrent. Like there are adults who think that. So (laughs) like, like this isn't totally off base to like try to, uh, to catch those early right (laughs) (laughs) yeah undoubtedly one or two junior skinheads will write something moronic along the lines of the holocaust never happened or killing jews rules (laughs) i think that those quotes should be like on the the back cover of the book (laughs) (laughs) should uh should we each read um joe's uh uh. He so he invites <laughs> high school students to plagiarize with his blessing one of the following three answers to this prompt of mm-hmm. uh, defend or attack that the Holocaust was the most reprehensible event in human history. Oh uh, yeah. So th- the purpose of these again is to get kicked out of school. So you have to understand these are. Uh, really horrible paragraphs. This is his way of sort of lampooning this assignment that I think he made up himself. Yeah. Uh, so he's writing essentially the worst uh, paragraphs he could think of about the Holocaust. <laughs> so keep oh that in God. mind as we read them. Uh, 
I, I'm dreading speaking. I'm not gonna lie, I kinda don't want, like, an unbroken verbatim, like, recording of, the, like, one of these in my voice. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. I don't know if I want that to exist. Tony, I had similar feelings during our last podcast recording, <laughs> where we were reading some of, of Joe's thoughts on uh, words and phrases you can call black people his preferred yeah. words for yeah. that so oh my god yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right so i guess i can read this one here there are three of them here's number one to paraphrase joseph F- fouché i don't know who fouché? that is <laughs> who is that let's see is he let's <laughs> i should have looked it up i'm glad i'm not the only one i was gonna feel really <laughs> stupid if everybody else knew yeah a french <laughs> statesman who was not okay. alive during the Holocaust. Okay, so. but according to this French man, the Holocaust was worse than a crime. It was a blunder. Whoops. I don't think this was a great man. Uh, in the midst of a two-front war in which they were vastly outnumbered, the Germans diverted an extraordinary amount of manpower and other resources from the battle lines to the killing centers in Poland. It could be argued that the Reich needed to round up and concentrate Jews and other undesirables to more efficiently pillage their property, which Germany needed to finance its military adventures. It could be argued. <laughs> All those yeah. Nazis, so adventuresome. <laughs> I, I think you par- probably should not argue that. Uh, however, the money gained from these anti-civilian operations cannot compensate for the loss of fighting personnel. Those who died in the killing centers could more profitably have been kept alive, providing the labor necessary to the conduct of the war. And if the Germans wished it, killed once the war was won. Adolf Hitler blew a win in great part because of his impatience to kill people he could have slaughtered at leisure once his war aims had been met. Uh, so this was written by a demon. <laughs> Jesus uh, Christ. Basically, it's like, why kill all these people when you could have used them as slaves? My God. What a, what a blunder. What a missed opportunity. <laughs> I have a feeling no one wants to read the rest of these. <laughs> Not really. Yeah. Do you want me to jump on the grenade? (laughs) You don't have to. (laughs) I'm just going to remind you that's an option. (laughs) (laughs) We can, I'll paraphrase the next one. It starts Mm -hmm. with, from the Nazi point of view, considering the circumstances, the mass killings of Jews, gypsies, Slavic intelligentsia, and other undesirables was entirely justified. Um... The Nazis felt that Jews and gypsies lacking national loyalty sucked the lifeblood out of any nation or community into which they were introduced. In the case of the gypsies, historical oh. facts support that belief. What a oh, fucked up thing God. to write. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's it's not even like, I mean, not everyone knows that that's a word that's like got a pretty ugly history, like calling that ethnic group that word. The Roma, yeah. Yeah. Mm, it's yeah. basically a slur. Which is something I have, you know, I have no experience with those people, so, like, I can't really go into, like, the whole thing. But but he's not just, like, using the word, like, innocently, for lack of a better word. He's saying, mm-hmm. like, uh, the history supports that these were parasites on the nation of Germany and uh, the Nazis were kind of right to kill them. <laughs> yeah, <damn>. exactly, exactly. <laughs> Ugh, so... 
it ends really strong with when all available resources were required for the, the war effort, the German government's decision to put these people to death as efficiently as possible was, if questionable from a humanitarian viewpoint, at least well-reasoned. I mean, mm. how can you even write that as, like, in a satiric, like, satire in quotes? Like, it's just a abhorrent thing to mm-hmm. to... I was thinking a lot about something that Alan said during our last book club meeting, and that was, you know, why choose to write these things down? <laughs> he didn't have to write them down, you know, like. <laughs> yep. Yep. Okay. He thinks this is a good example of like his writing ability <laughs> and like his genius satire. <laughs> what was the last one? Oh my god. <laughs> this one's also horrible. <laughs> yeah. So in this one, uh he concedes that yes, the Holocaust was very bad. However, it's not as bad as, you know, Stalin and Mao. They they killed more people, which is, you know, mm-hmm. a neo-Nazi talking point. Um and also Jew-influenced propagandists have revised <laughs> history so as to create the impression that it was the Jews and only they who as a people suffered under Hitler. So he's essentially saying that the Holocaust, <laughs> it may have been bad, but it's being exaggerated for the benefit of a certain ethnic group who actually have a lot of control <laughs> over our society if you really think about it. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> A, a bargain indeed, at the cost of only a few million insignificant people. Insignificant people. <laughs> a few million. Whoa. I would love to press him and ask, like, how many million? How many people died in the Holocaust, <laughs> Joseph? Tell me using your real voice. <laughs> yeah, <What>? yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he's pushing boundaries he brings, here. Then he brings Ethel Merman into it. She did not ask to be in this conversation. <laughs> As the late Ethel Merman might have observed, there's no business like show a business. What? That's what a terrible pun. Um, yeah, so that I think is the worst essay that has been in this book so far. Stella, having read all of them, do you think that is also the worst? <laughs> You know, I'm going to have to say they're all bad, but um, the one I think that is probably the worst is the one we covered last time. The Let me look up the exact title of it. The one um, about uh, African Americans. Yeah. Versus, yeah, exactly. Other w- so, words, yeah. 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 I- that one was the worst thing I've ever read. and <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't be trying to rank them and just simply say they are bad. <laughs> <laughs> together <laughs> all bad <laughs> that when i when we read that last one like i don't think i've ever felt that much revulsion just like running through my entire body reading that sentence by sentence this one is is pretty <laughs> bad too but at least it's like the conceit is that this is bad and subversive <laughs> i'm being edgy i I'm think joking. the other one yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, the other one was fully sincere. He's pretty sincere. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So Well, next up is surnames, as in last (laughs) names. Uh yeah, I thought this was pretty boring. Yeah, this one and the next one. The whole Yeah. 
Yeah. That's not what that Amazon reviewer said. <laughs> never boring. Like, this he, was yeah. Never boring. Never. Yeah. <laughs> Hawkeye yeah. Dave. I immediately thought of the name section when he said that because <laughs> it's so fucking boring. I don't think Hawkeye Dave's reviews can be trusted. <laughs> this this premise though is crazy enough that I do want to say what he opens with. It seems to me that surnames, as we know them, have for some time been obsolete and serve few purposes other than to reflect negatively on their owners in one way or another. So, yeah, he's. this is an essay about how the concept of a last name is obsolete. What the <laughs> fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know about you guys. I never use mine. Never. <laughs> <laughs> I just have a first name and a bunch of numbers. <laughs> Is Elon Musk and uh, Grimes, are they your parents? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, he says that a lot of people mispronounce his last name as Dobrian, Dobrian, Dorbian, Dorbrinan, Dobarian, Dobrinian, Dobrin, Doberman. Dobbern and other butcheries <laughs> too grotesque to mention. So by that he I means I can relate, Joe. <laughs> for one one example of a butchery too grotesque to mention, listeners, look at the title of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I I think this can be mostly skipped other than that, unless you had anything else you wanted to point out. I wanted to point out that, like, he says, like, he has a scenario in his head where if you use a hyphenated last name, you doom your kids to have, like, 40 hyphens in your name. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know the person that he met with all these hyphens in their name. I feel like most people just kind of figure that out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's been a thing for a while. Like, a, yeah. a lot of people have broken away from the patriarchal name system. Yeah, I think he's just saying that it's it's stupid because Yeah, I I, I know why he does it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but he tries to do it as like a system failure. It's like, well if you have one hyphen, you have to just keep adding hyphens yeah. with that's new how names. It works. And it's like Yeah. <laughs> because that's how he thinks like society should function. Like there have to be rules and you have to if you're gonna go down this path, you have to go all the way down the path and do every yeah. crazy thing that I think is happening. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you start doing that, just imagine how big driver's licenses will have to be in the next couple of generations. <laughs> and if those get longer, our wallets have to get deeper, meaning our pockets also have to get deeper. <laughs> and eventually no one will be wearing shorts anymore, which is something that he wants to happen. I did like when he when he noted that um, you know if we started choosing surnames for ourselves that like you know a lot of surnames are in the original language what that person did mm -hmm. so nowadays they'd have like have to change their name to cellist freckles dog walker or big schlong <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> Johnny Big Dick. <laughs> That's his profession. <laughs> oh my Nobody gosh. does it better. 
Okay, one one more thing because I do want to frame this in in another light. Obviously, it won't do for people to dispense with surnames entirely, as they are required for identification in a society as large as ours. No shit. But perhaps <laughs> we should accept it as normal that when a person reaches adulthood, he should adopt a surname of his own choosing and only change it further if extraordinary circumstances demand it. So one has to wonder about Joe's views on uh, transgender identity issues here when it comes to changing your name, choosing an identity for yourself upon reaching a certain point in life. Uh, yeah, I'm guessing that, you know, Put in a different context, he would disagree with his own position there. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I'm still laughing about Johnny Pickton. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. The next essay is called The Importance of Being Brendan. And here we go again. This is all about names. <laughs> yeah. This one was even worse. <laughs> this was even worse because it just comes out of nowhere for the most part. <laughs> It's like an astrology he made up all by himself. (laughs) I do. Yeah, yeah, it is interesting. Like, are there certain people's, like, if someone had a name, would that immediately make you, like, unattracted to them? I can think of maybe a couple examples. Mm -hmm. I don't agree with the ones he comes up with, but, like, like he says, um, George Carlin famously said, George ranks quite low on the list of getting laid automatically by the sound of your name. I mean, besides Johnny Big Dick, are there names that you're like, oh my God, I want to have sex with that person. Their name is so cool. And also Mm. like, oh, I would have slept with that person, but their name was just too lame. Yeah. 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 If that was ever a thought in my head, it wasn't conscious. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, I think that he has constructed this whole thing as an elaborate excuse for why women are not attracted to him personally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That sounds yeah, about which, right. Yeah, he, he says both Joe and Joseph don't work out, and I've known, like, a lot of, like, slutty Josephs. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Without a doubt. A ton. Yeah, yeah I mean, the, the idea that the name Joseph is keeping him from having sexual relationships. Like how many people are named Joe? Like it's super common and yeah, yeah. they get around. I noted here that I would estimate that 10% of all people who have had sex are named Joe. (laughs) There's just so many of them. Well, I mean, if you think about uh, Joseph, husband of Mary, famous cuckold. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. <laughs> well, so just because he was the cuckold in that relationship doesn't mean he was the cucker in another. Uh. Um, I I did enjoy Joseph's, like, he says these are the least sexy names. Elmer, Everett, Irving, Marvin, or Francis. <laughs> Murray, Phil. I agree with Elmer. I agree yeah, with Elmer. Elmer. He says even... She's like, oh, you're glue? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, even Tim gets more trim. Yeah. He just liked the rhyme. Yeah, nah. yeah. That, That's what got his engine running for that one. <laughs> he said my name's like a sexy runner-up, so like he I'm did. okay with that. Yeah. He did. Yeah. He talked about Italian yeah. names in general. Like, they're mostly good, I think. Yeah, they're not as good as Irish names, which I could have gotten one or either, so I kind of got... <laughs> mm-hmm. 
shafted in that regard. But, yeah, yeah. You know, I'll take it. He says Humphrey, Roscoe, Ignatius, and Ferdinand <laughs> are also not sexy. I would just like to note that if I was a boy, my name would have been Roscoe. And Oh, really? Yeah, I would have fucked. <laughs> yeah. That's my dead yeah. cat's name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've seen pictures of Roscoe. <laughs> yeah. It's a good name, yeah. I asked my folks about it recently, and they said there's like some gangster named Roscoe, and they were like, no one's going to mess with a kid named Roscoe. <laughs> it's like an yeah. old man name to me. I just yeah. associate The only humans I've ever encountered named Roscoe were like over the age of 80, so... <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it seems like kind of like a, a gruff sort of working class guy, Roscoe. Yeah, yeah. He's, <laughs> he, he's a mechanic or something. Yeah. yeah. He's from Dorchester, works at the Sawdust Factory. <laughs> yeah. He seems to think Brandon ranks very highly, to which I, have, I yeah. of course, said, let's go, let's Brandon. Go. Yeah. Let's <laughs> <Yep>. go. <laughs> You know when you see Brandon leaving the girl, leaving the bar with the girl, you're like, let's go. (laughs) (laughs) That's Brandon. Yeah. How does he do it? (laughs) When he's going through the Irish names, he says Declan is a good one. And my friend Stephanie's young boy is named Declan. So congrats to him. Yeah. One of the names he lists here as like one of the the good names, the names that will definitely get you laid is Fergus. Oh yeah. <laughs> He's saying that Fergus has an advantage over Joe. Just the most regular name ever. <laughs> Can you imagine like being in the throes of passion and Fergus? <laughs> you know? Like, no, I'm sorry. Instant boner killer, instant clam jammer. Like it's not a sexy name. I'm trying oh, to think Fergus. of like pet names too. Fergie. Yeah. yeah. Fergalicious. Or Gus. I guess Gus. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Gus could, could work. Um, okay. The Italian yeah. paragraph says they have a cult following, but they don't attract women above a certain income level or women of Anglo Saxon <laughs> or Nordic descent or people of non urban background. <laughs> So, non-urban <laughs> yeah yeah so this is uh, generally true in my experience i'll be honest <laughs> with you there <laughs> well you yourself uh you you are an urban man you live in an urban area so that's just what's gonna happen right i am now yeah i grew up in the suburbs yeah. so are you aiming for so i had to move an anglo-saxon woman <laughs> no not at all <laughs> I know my limits, you know? (laughs) (laughs) He is doing the weird name astrology thing, but he also, you know, it is Joseph Dobrin. He can't not throw in weird classism and, like, racial hierarchies. Mm -hmm. Um, So Italian names, you know, they don't attract women of the higher tier races. So... (laughs) So they'll get you laid, but not like not like the best kind of women. Am I right, fellas? <laughs> uh, there's a weird footnote here when he says uh, Fonz is an Italian name, but not because of Arthur Fonzarelli from Happy Days. He says like the writers of Happy Days were idiots who didn't know that the name Fonz was short for Alphonse. 
that's very necessary aside there. Yeah. I think he just had a bone to pick with happy days. <laughs> <laughs> um, Joey might be okay. So he's talking about his own name here and different variations on that name. Joey might be okay if I dug women with heavy Bronx accents and big hair. <laughs> and uh, why not? Why wouldn't you like yeah. that? <laughs> she sounds fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's also so specific like yeah. what <laughs> like if you're if you're a joey and you're born on the west coast like book a plane as soon as you turn 18 because you only stand a chance in the bronx <laughs> um i loathe all those trendy yuppie shopping mall names all those megan's and Brittany's and ambers but you seldom meet an amber who isn't a babe so Amber's across the street when you see Joseph coming your way. <laughs> he refers to a book called Jennifer Fever by Barbara Gordon, who I guess like has a a problem with young women named Jennifer who are like home wreckers or something. <laughs> but <laughs> he refers to Jennifer Fever as a bitter book. And I think it takes a lot of nerve for him to call someone else's book bitter after what he has told us about his childhood. <laughs> for a stretch in the mid-1990s, I noticed a huge wave of young women named Tara, all of them in their early 20s, all of them excruciatingly babelicious. Babelicious. Yeah. Ugh. What is it about that name that made every Tara really good looking and stuck up besides? <laughs> Wait, so this is in the mid 90s, all of these women named Tara in their early 20s appeared. So they were born in the 70s then. They were born in the <laughs> 90s as 20 year olds. <laughs> and they were hot and they were bitches. <laughs> he has a problem with a woman named Tara who spurned his advances, is how I read that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he basically says earlier, like, he hates the names Michael and David because it sounds like a girl he was in love with had to deal with a guy named David and a guy named Michael who were, like, shitty to her. So, mm -hmm. I don't know. If I personally knew Joseph Dobrian and my name appeared in this list or in this essay, <laughs> I, <laughs> I'd be pretty upset i think yeah <laughs> whether he thinks i don't fuck or if he does think i am like oversexed <laughs> I, I, i'd rather he just not think about me that way <laughs> the moral that he leaves us with is parents if you love your children and if you want them to give you grandchildren do please consider how well your child's name will work as a mating tool a mating tool <laughs> so uh when you have your baby before you name your baby, think about that baby having sex. Yeah, I gotta make sure this kid name. is fuckable. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Jesus. I think we probably glossed over them too, but there are a few times he just very clinically refers to like reproducing, <laughs> procreation, and mating. Yeah, which is like a common like right wing guy thing, but like. Uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because sex serves a scientific purpose, but nothing else. <laughs> well, it, he's not. It seems like. I mean, it seems he, like he's not one of those guys. Yeah, you exactly. Know? Like he wants to have sex very badly. Yeah, he thinks about it all the time. 
just so much horny energy coming out of all these essays. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the next one we can probably get through fairly quickly as well. He's moved on from, so he's sort of working backwards. There was one about last names, one about first names, and now he's talking sort of about like Mr. and Doctor and all that shit, yeah. the, the prefixes. Yeah. It's called, That's Your Majesty to You. And in this essay, he wishes that people would interact more formally with each other. Um, he thinks people are saying the word sir less often, and it's making him very upset. <laughs> he says pretty early in this that he he wants to be called Joseph, not Joe. So I've made a concerted effort to do the opposite on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> He also likes to give, especially women, uh, pet names. The example oh, yes. he gives oh. is is a woman he might work with who's named Stephanie. He'll call Stepha Rooney. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Here, let me give you the context of that. I don't like that. Yeah. So he's talking about <laughs> business associates in particular, I think. A business mm-hmm. associate with whom I'm not very friendly will be Bill or Joan. So he's kind of saying he does like the opposite where he refers to people more formally if he respects them or likes them or feels close to them. Mm-hmm. And he he speaks more informally to people he doesn't like. And it's like sort of a false <laughs> a false uh, informality to keep them more at a distance. Cool. He's crazy. He's got a lot of complexes, but... Uh, There's a lot going on here. Yeah. A business associate with whom I'm not very friendly will be Bill or Joan. One with whom I'm friendly will usually be Mr. Jones or just Jones. Or, especially if female, might be given a pet name. Especially if female. I I don't know what it is about men who refer to women as females. It is so, like, it makes my skin crawl. Yeah. Also, if someone referred to me as <laughs> Steph O'Rooney, I would be pretty disgusted. <laughs> Stella Rooney. Woof. <laughs> 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 yeah, I, there's not a whole lot to talk about here. He just wishes yeah. people were more yeah. stuffy and yeah, like him. It's a it's a weird thing to just have mapped out in your head. Like I don't really think about the way I talk to people or like the different mm-hmm. ways I talk to them. Mm-hmm. He has like a whole system mapped out. It's just like, <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. I'm, I'm typically pretty informal and I've kind of like arranged my life in a way where that's acceptable all the time, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. Like I, I don't work a super professional job or anything. So like I can talk <laughs> how I, how I like. <laughs> yeah. The only times I've ever, I'm ever like really formal is at work and like if i'm dealing with someone who's being a shit and i can't just be like you're being a shit so i'll be like Mm -hmm. just really formal about it because like Mm -hmm. that's a good way to create emotional distance so it's like weird that he's like the people i like i'm super formal with it's like so you you hang out do you like hang out and start your clothes with people like i don't get it (laughs) i think like like, what's a good time i think it could be kind of charming to like like someone you're really close with, like refer to them as like, oh, Mr. Gomer, you know, like in a in a yeah, joking yeah, way. That's but... playful. That is playful, yeah. But it sounds like yeah. you do it, Tony, for like a passive aggressive, like, kinda, like I yeah, can't call kinda. you a shithead right now, so I'm gonna refer to exactly. you. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause I mean that's the way I normally talk, so I'm just sort of like, how do people normally talk when they want to get a point across mm. without being explicitly mean? <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, it's very passive aggressive. It's probably not good for like my mental health. But. <laughs> you gotta do what you gotta do. It's kind of like when yeah. someone doesn't read your email and you've already answered their question and you write back like, as per my last message. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm the one who receives those, to be honest with you. I'm bad at emails. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> okay, we've got one more essay to cover today. This is called Boomers Fading. So we've I got wish. some generational yeah. analysis. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's not actually as much about generational stuff as you would think from the title. I summed it up as a messy essay about childhood aspirations and crushed dreams. <laughs> And honestly, I don't remember this super well. <laughs> I have some highlighted stuff. Um, this is crazy. For the past 200 years in the United States, it has indeed been possible for people with average gifts and strong will to pursue virtually any calling to which they take a fanti- uh, fancy. A child of five could decide to be a politician, a scientist, a detective, an athlete. And as often as not, <laughs> that child would make it to his or her chosen profession. Yeah, that's very is, everyone what? in the last 200 <laughs> years. All children have been able to do that. <laughs> Since yeah. 1800, when <laughs> slavery was legal. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely delusional. Like, you talk to a child and they're like, yeah, I want to like be a marine biologist. I want to be a ranch hand. I want to <laughs> be an astronaut. And as often as not, that child would make it to his or her chosen profession. So it's a coin flip. No, that's not how, like, (laughs) what do you want to be when you grow up? That's not how that game works. What did you guys want to be when you grew up? Let's see if we've all achieved it. (laughs) I kind of just wanted to hang out. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I can't share mine. It's too embarrassing. You have to. (laughs) Hmm. Uh-uh. No. Now I'm so much more interested. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> I wanted to be a uh, lifeguard slash truck driver. Interesting combo. Yeah. <laughs> I did not achieve either of those. I did work at yeah. the pool one summer slinging candy. <laughs> <laughs> I had a cowboy phase. Really? Yeah. When I was like six. <laughs> Mostly because of Woody from Toy Story, not because of, like, real cowboys. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then a lot of the time, I just, like, wished I was an animal instead of a person. Oh, I did that, too. I had a really long animal phase. (laughs) (laughs) Um, A person might say, indeed, I have said it myself, and quite shamelessly, I want to be rich and famous and get laid a lot. How I get there doesn't much matter. (laughs) There is nothing wrong with that sentiment. <laughs> um, and then, oh yeah, okay, so th- the way that this goes is kind of like he thinks that the boomer generation was kind of sold a bill of goods and like they were shafted. So I yeah, guess- Yeah, boomers like didn't ev- get anything <laughs> they wanted. <laughs> right. <laughs> like he, he thinks that everyone before the boomers had a very easy time accomplishing what they wanted to in terms of like employment and stuff Uh, okay yeah let me read this to you with (laughs) pretend i didn't tell you it was about boomers many people of my generation (laughs) got the idea that if we soldiered on through school and scraped our way through college and most of us went to college simply because everybody knew you had to go 
Hardly any of us went there with any specific goal in mind. We would, at 21 or thereabouts, magically be transformed into one of those rich, happy, happening people we saw on the tube every day. It was a mighty rude surprise when that didn't transpire. Yeah, he's blaming TV. Mm. He says TV is the problem. (laughs) The tube. Either because it put boomers like expectations too high but i think Mm -hmm. i mean most people would agree that like the boomer generation has had like unmatched prosperity and uninterrupted like for the most part if they wanted to go to school they could and they could buy a house and like the quote-unquote american dream or whatever so Mm -hmm. yeah this is It's really, I've never heard anyone say anything like this about the boomers, ever. Yeah, I've heard it for every generation after them. (laughs) They had had like a pretty good boost early on because they grew up when there was like a lot of uh, post-war like governmental programs, well, especially for white people, but uh, like- A strong strong social program, strong like- uh, housing was easier more less expensive like jobs paid more all that shit and then like everything has been gradually chipped away since that time so like if he thinks his generation has it bad like they had a lot more (laughs) advantages far more of us however he's talking about his own generation uh just plugged along until we ran out of excuses to stay in college (laughs) Uh, Then we panicked, grabbed whatever job we could find, and now we're stuck in lives we find barely tolerable. We can't just chuck it all and go join a rock band because that would entail a huge downward adjustment in our standard of living. That's the reason why he can't do that. (laughs) If he put in the time, if like starting now he put in the time, he could pull it off. He just... (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. He does say... um... People who resolve to make music their life's work tend to be especially focused, hardworking, and goal-oriented, so. Yeah, that's us, Stella. Yep, guilty as charged, (laughs) baby. (laughs) Oh, I agree with everything he says now. (laughs) Here we are making music on this recording. (laughs) In many young people, there's both a lack of hope and a lack of desire. And who can blame them when we seem to be moving closer to serfdom every day? This is the most I've ever agreed with something he wrote. (laughs) So, yeah, he does acknowledge that, like, people younger than him are, like, seeing things get even worse. But it's still this started out seeming to be, like, a poor me thing. But then he acknowledges right at the end, like, oh, it's actually worse now. (laughs) That's why I said it's a messy essay, because I don't yeah. quite know what's yeah, going on. Yeah, it's kind of like he's talking about the generation, but it's broader than that in reality. Yeah, which is a good lesson to learn, because, like, I mean, if you broaden things out to have, like, any sort of class analysis or, like, understanding of American capitalism, it, you can analyze things a lot more uh, effectively, I think, through lenses yeah. like that yeah. than, like, oh, the boomers and Gen X and all that shit. yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's like there are boomers out there who don't have any like, uh, what's the word for it? Equity yeah, yeah. generating assets mm-hmm. and they're just mm-hmm. as screwed yeah. as anybody. Maybe more because they're older now. It's like uh, yeah. the whole just sort of like fuck the boomers thing doesn't work in every fucking scenario. Yeah, yeah it's exactly. Such, it's such stupid shit. 
oh <laughs> generations like yeah. yeah it's it's dumb yeah gener- generational warfare is pretty stupid <laughs> no war but class war to quote natalie it should be illegal to be 21 and younger. <laughs> <laughs> uh, unfortunately he kind of takes the opposite approach as you can imagine uh, he's basically saying that motivation is the real problem. If we could just trick these kids into thinking that they can accomplish their goals, then they will. And uh, <laughs> the last bit here is motivation most often comes from the possibility of self-realization. Certainly not from the prospect of enslavement to a collective, nor from the <laughs> desire to reach an undefinable, unformed, nebulous goal such as success. <laughs> Always got to blame, like, any sort of collective good. <laughs> if I didn't think that all my fucking taxes would go to all these deadbeats, I certainly would have a six-figure job. But since I, <laughs> since I know what's going to happen, I just stay where I am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Imagine Dobrian giving, like, a graduation speech. Like looking out on a sea of like eighteen year olds who have just finished their high their paragraph, so they are going to graduate, <laughs> and him saying something like this, like just completely inscrutable. I thought this one was a real dud. Yeah, and that's the closer to his growing up section. I don't know, kind of went out on a bad one. Yeah, <laughs> it barely has anything to do with growing up, even. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I've come of age in the past two hours. Like, oh, yeah. I, I feel like I understand the world a lot better. I understand yeah. my place yeah. in it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, next time around, we're going to be reading the section titled Love, Romance, and Naughty Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so we're... We're going to be adding a lot of dings to that horny count. Next oh, time. yeah. Lube up, everybody. Here we go. <laughs> uh, thank you to our friends, Tony and Aaron, for joining Stella and I today. As always, thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thanks, everyone, for listening. And, uh, yeah, we'll keep reading this dog shit and telling you about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. No sunshine wow. by rain. She's wearing my school ring on the chain. She's my steady. I'm a man.